future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Hey, welcome. Welcome, welcome to Live, Love, Thrive Women's Empowerment Hour. So glad to have you tune in today. Uh, I just wanted to mention that next week we are going to be talking with Alana Wayne from uh, the Jewish Foundation LA. She's going to be here along with Pamela Acosta Marquette from the Pancreatic Cancer Network, which uh, they're doing amazing things in that arena, and we're going to be talking about that next week. So if you don't want to miss any episodes, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube, and you'll get them automatically. Today, we have with us Kelly Lynch, the founder of KPL Select Mortgages. She is really into empowering women with property ownership, and we're going to be talking about that, as well as a fabulous fundraiser that she co-chairs called An Evening with Women. And later in the show, we're going to talk with author Jennifer Howd, and she is amazing. She wrote a book about uh, her one-week silent meditation retreat. Oh my, I could never do that, <laughs> let's just say. But we're going to talk about how it impacted her life and how she helps others uh, to meditate and, and positively impact their lives. So looking forward to that. First up, please give a warm welcome to Kelly Lynch. Hey, Kelly. Hi. How are you? Good. Very good. Good, good. to see you. Awesome. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Oh, you bet. I've been trying to get you here. I'm you so have. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't easy. <laughs> busy lady. Yeah, it's good to be busy. I mean, uh, you're a very successful woman in the uh, mortgage industry. Correct. And uh, I think, you know, it's interesting to find out how people uh, get into the different jobs that they do or careers, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um and I know you love this field because you love empowering women with property ownership. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting because you started in the television industry, Correct. which sounds very sexy, right. you know, but you ended up uh, in the mortgage uh, industry and you love it and you love the way it empowers people. And so I, I, I want to talk about that more today. But first, let's talk about, you know, how and why it's important to you. Um, you were telling me that you grew up with a single mom. Mm-hmm. Your, your parents divorced when you were five. Correct, yes. And so your mom, uh, apparently, it, it, you were saying she kind of uh, led you to realize how you needed to be independent. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a great thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When my parents were divorced at that time, I'm not going to say my age, but a while ago, a long time ago, um, women really weren't getting divorced. Yeah. And women didn't have checking accounts necessarily. Men pretty much handled everything. So when right. my parents got divorced. They couldn't even get checking accounts, correct, did they? I mean, correct. It, Without it, their husband it signing seems on like, the accounts. It like an like alternative crazy. universe, right? It really wasn't yeah. that long ago. Yeah. It's frightening when you yeah. think about it. But so she had to go through all of that and just establish herself as an mm-hmm. independent adult financially. Right. right. And I was with her even as a five-year-old and growing up learning Mm -hmm. that and she taught all of us you know we'd have little savings accounts and go to the bank and save money and get the little passbooks and Mm -hmm. watch that grow and um sounds like a great mom yeah and establishing credit yeah get credit cards so you can establish credit so yeah so that was kind of my and you know here here you probably thought it was tough growing up with uh, you know in a single parent home Mm -hmm. and yet you know what i always find is whatever our challenges are it always leads to something that you know, actually benefits us in the long run. So, absolutely. You know, had you not 
grown up in that situation, which probably seemed hard at the time, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you wouldn't be the independent woman you are today, possibly. Definitely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, she gave me the ability to realize that I could be really independent and yeah. how important it was to be financially independent. Yeah. And that's what I like to express to, to my clients, and especially to women that are trying to get into real estate. That's financial freedom. Once you yes. get in and own a property, yeah. you're not subject to your landlord increasing your rents or your landlord selling the building or your, the property and then you have to move. And right. So, yeah, financial and independence your, is um, big appreciation and tax write-offs and all that yeah definitely yeah and the growth and mm -hmm. so I, I know you instruct women um, like how easy it is to buy their first home and mm -hmm. it's something I know that you're uh, very vigilant about right is yeah. is getting that word out there because I know you want you want to help women do that right and a lot of times people think it's insurmountable to be able for them to be able to buy a home they've just read, you know, heard in the media or, you know, friends have been negative and telling me it's too difficult. And it's really not. I mean, if if you're not ready now, you can get on a plan and we hope you get on a plan to figure out how you can get there and what mm -hmm. your goals are. And so someone could actually sit down and say, hey, I want to buy a home. Mm -hmm. What steps do I need to take to start getting there? Would you help someone with that? Absolutely. Do it yeah. all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I've worked with clients for two, three years until they actually get their home. Wow, I Those love are the that. most exciting because, yeah. you know, they follow the plan and we check back in every few months and, you know, and then they get I, their I home. I didn't even know you do that. That's great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love hearing that. Yeah. So someone might not be ready, mm -hmm. but they want to prepare because if you don't prepare, it's never going to happen. Correct. And so you guide them uh, for the duration, whatever Correct. it is, a year, two, three yeah. years until they're ready. Yeah. If they take the steps you give them, you're going to get them there. Definitely. Yeah. And there's a lot of things people don't realize. Co-signers, parents can co-sign, gift yeah. letters, right. how to use your 401k, right. how to reestablish your credit. So you can think of you know, innovative ways to make it Correct. happen. Yeah. I love that. Think outside the box. Everything right. legal, but you know, yeah. think outside the box. And, that's, yeah. and I'm a mortgage broker, which mm -hmm. is different than a retail banker, mm -hmm. and that's why I've stayed through the years as a mortgage broker and haven't accepted mm -hmm. positions at banks because I, I work for my clients individually. I love that. So, so there's, no, yeah. there's, nothing, there's nothing corporate standing in the way. Of, yeah. Yeah. And you also have a, a, a loan co a title yeah. company? A escrow. Escrow yeah. company. So yeah. we started an escrow company um, probably 15 years ago, I think it's been now, uh, to do refi escrows, and then we evolved into a fully independent company Madison Capital Escrow so we can mm -hmm. do purchase and sale escrows. We mm -hmm. worked closely with our realtors and they wanted to be able to use our escrow the company. Same company. So I had to, I had to convert into an independent escrow company. It's been great. I've got a great team of people yeah. and it makes it really easy for us. They're right across the hall. Yeah. And um, we can So for people it. that might not be familiar with that, it just makes the whole process easier not to have to go to two different entities. You have it all in one place. Yeah, it yeah. definitely it's helpful. And escrow is yeah. the intermediary that works with the agents, the buyers, the lenders, mm -hmm. and um, they kind of gather all the documents and keep mm -hmm. it all together. That's cool. So, yeah. And then on top of that, you guys do property management, we do. right? do, yep. So if somebody wanted to buy an investment property, mm -hmm. uh, they don't even have to manage it. You guys do the property management. Yep. And that's how that started. So I started buying real estate yeah. and I was managing my own property. And then I had friends who bought investment properties and they said, would you please manage my property? So I was, you know, favor to them. I did that. And then it just kind of evolved from there. So mm -hmm. now it's big company and then you're like i better open a company enough of these favors right <laughs> exactly exactly and, and you my, wised up didn't yeah, you yeah <laughs> exactly and my wife andy runs that company now so. oh that's great yeah. 
fun. Yeah, I know you and Annie and Peyton are such an adorable family. She's, uh, I know we have pictures and uh, we'll share that with everybody. And you guys have been married uh, for Yeah, we got married in 2008 during that little window of time when yeah. it was legal. And then it wasn't, but we knew we wanted to be married to have kids. That was just our preference. And so we did that. And um, yeah, and then a couple years later we had Peyton. She just turned six on April 14th. Aww. So yeah, it's a fun, a, fun time. Yeah. Keeps us busy, but yeah, kindergarten yeah. this year. So. She's a cutie pie. Yeah. Um, so um, one other thing you shared with me, and we'll just touch on it uh, for a moment because I know it's sensitive, is that sure. you uh, lost a sister at a young age. And um, I just want to share with the audience a little bit about that because maybe there's a message in that that they could take away that would be helpful to them. I know yeah. um, she kind of got involved with, um, she was in a car accident, right? Correct, yep. And um, led, that led to taking some painkillers. and Yeah. yeah. And so I know um, it's a sensitive thing for you yeah. to talk about, but um, your message to people yeah, would be it, absolutely and we we talked about this and i and i'm happy to share it if it helps anybody learn yeah from my experience so my sister was in a car accident pretty bad car accident and they prescribed vicodin mm -hmm. and she started using vicodin and became it's so prevalent today so prevalent yeah. and it's it's worse now now oxycontin and all kinds of things that we're hearing more and more about mm -hmm. but then this was about eight years ago um it wasn't we didn't know as much about it. And so doctors were prescribing this medication and it was very addictive and more so for some than others. And she happened to be one of those addictive types. She had no addiction prior to that that we knew of, that mm -hmm. she even knew of. Um, but unfortunately she got really connected with that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so she basically shot her liver and um, kidneys. She had a surgery and when she was coming out of the surgery, uh, they were shutting down because mm -hmm. they were so compromised. Right. It really affects your liver, um, Vicodin. So she had miracle. We were able to get her into UCLA emergency, and there was a liver that matched. And because she was a young wow. mother with two small boys, even though she was in a coma, they did the transplant. She survived. And she survived for many, many years. And then uh, about four years ago, um, she passed away through complications from that. Um, so, so yeah, and yeah. she, you know, it, it was a period of time that she had this addiction and she did try to get help for it. She mm -hmm. went to the Betty Ford Center and right. and it's just really hard, you know. It it's, is hard, and, yeah. and now they have pain management and things like that, mm -hmm. which they didn't really have to the extent then. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes a big difference. So, so your message to people that might be taking Vicodin or a painkiller at this time would be, it could lead to this and so learn re about reach it. out and it. get some help with it yeah. and get off of it try and find other ways to manage your pain right. and don't just assume because the doctor's prescribing it it's okay right because sometimes they over prescribe doctors are big on we don't want you to have any pain right. but right you know you know i've had different people on my show that uh really believe in holistic mm -hmm. healing some of them like amber roke has uh healed herself from ms mm -hmm. um she almost died from it and um the way we eat and the things we do the exercise and mm -hmm. the things we put in our body so affect um our emotional psyche uh and actually, Jennifer Howd's going to talk about this in the next sec uh, segment about how meditation can help with depression. Mm -hmm. She actually used it herself for that uh, source. And so um, there are some alternative things that people could reach out to, uh, nutritionists and coaches and people that can help them 
to manage their pain mm-hmm. or whatever they're feeling uh, without medication Absolutely. so that they can live yeah. a long and thriving life. Right. Yeah. Because the medication is really only a temporary solve for what they're experiencing. And mm-hmm. and ultimately it becomes, it can become a much bigger problem right. than just dealing with the one situation that they can focus did, on. Did that loss impact you personally, other than it, of course, being so painful, uh, did it make you look at life differently? Like, you know, I don't want to waste any uh, days or did you kind of already live I, life like that I anyway? Kinda, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, yeah. 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 It was just, just more ter- how can I terrible help other loss. People? And I wish, you know, you keep, you keep guessing, second guessing yourself. Could we have done something different, something more, you know? Right. But it is what it is. And you right. just have to accept that. And, and so maybe that's the message to people uh, today is if there's someone in your life mm-hmm. and that is the situation that, you know, don't look the other way. Right. Or be aware of it. You yeah. know, don't. Yeah. Don't. You might have yeah. an idea, but you don't really sit down and have a conversation right maybe you can help stop something before it starts right yeah so everybody has I think pivotal things in their life both sad and happy obviously uh you know uh probably the divorce of your parents was pivotal the Mm -hmm. loss of your sister but then a highlight is the the birth of your child and your marriage yes yeah how wonderful is that yeah fantastic yeah Life yeah. is good, huh? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very blessed. I have an amazing family. And you do. We have a lot of fun together. We do a lot of fun things. We we bring Peyton to everything we can. I know. So. I saw you. I, you know, we have a picture where you brought her to the fundraiser that we're going to talk about, yep. an evening with women last yep. year. Yeah. Yeah. I bet she loved that. She loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. So let's talk about an evening with women because um, Mm -hmm. this is a very important fundraiser for the LGBT Center here in Los Angeles, which is the largest LGBT Center. Now I sound like Donald Trump. (laughs) LGBT Center in the world. world. Yeah. In the world. Internationally, the largest. And I think it's so interesting. I don't know if people listening understand that they... Uh, this particular fundraiser um, helps fund women's services, mm-hmm. which we could talk about what that means, mm-hmm. senior services, mm-hmm. uh, and homeless youth. Mm-hmm. So many uh, gay kids in, in the homeless youth community here in Los Angeles, I think 40% are gay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so wonderful that the center houses many of them and feeds them and clothes them and you know because many of them get kicked out of their homes and correct yeah so and we're going to see more of that we're going to see a lot more of that with this administration i mean we're hearing about it now and it's you know nationally suddenly becoming acceptable to discriminate against people again for various reasons and so we've already seen at the center an increase in demand for services up 20 percent Wow. Because people are fearful about mm-hmm. losing their health care. They want to get tested, HIV testing, um, all kinds of things. There's just this whole new climate now that we didn't have prior to and our new I, group here. I know you had mentioned 60% of the funding for the LGBT Center comes from federal funding, which looks like it'll be cut. And that's why this fundraiser on May 13th at the Hollywood Palladium is really important. Yeah, so really important. if anybody... Uh, would like to attend that uh it's at the hollywood palladium uh unbelievable talent the icon carol king will be there she will she'll oh be my playing gosh. A guitar. one of my favorites what yeah. an incredibly talented singer amazing. songwriter has the most amazing library of hits uh, right 
so and a excited. powerful woman. A know, powerful woman, woman. Great yeah. message. And, yeah. uh, and then uh, let's talk about some of the other talent that will be there. Tig Notaro. Sure. Yep, Tig Notaro will be there as our uh, comedian. In the past, we've had Sarah Silverman and Fortune Femster, and Tig's our comedian this year. Um, we also have great Grace Mitchell, who's an upcoming artist. She brings that kind of rock flair to it that our previous co-chair and creator of An Evening with Women, Linda Perry, brought with a lot of her artists. Yeah. Um, we have um, Ree Butcher and Carmen Esposito who will be uh, hosting our event and they're young lesbian uh, comedians. They're married, they've got a show, they're hysterical. Uh, um, can't wait for that. We have Eve Ensler who has mm-hmm. not performed in years and she'll be doing part of the Vagina Monologues. Oh great. And um, uh, Dana Goldberg will be Dana doing Dana Goldberg the, just joined us. She's going to be doing our live auction with yeah. a, a little bit of shtick before. So yeah, yeah, we're excited great. to have her on board. So we have a really full, full show this year. Yeah. yeah. And so. I love it because everybody gets dressed to the nines. It's a right? lovely, classy event. Right. Uh, we call it Rock Chic. Yeah, <laughs> Rock right? Chic. It's not black tie, it's Rock yeah. Chic. Right. I like that. Yeah. And then uh, there's a great silent auction and cocktail networking party to begin. Correct. Six then o'clock, a, that starts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then a sit-down dinner. Correct. Um, yeah. And then after dinner, this fabulous show and presentation, and people learn more about the center and have fun and mm-hmm. mingle with amazing women. There's like a 1,000 women there, and a lot of awesome guys come and uh, support as well. Yeah. And so if anybody would like to get a ticket uh, – it's an eveningwithwomen.org. Correct. I think I have yep. a couple of seats left at my table if people want to click that. Uh, Catherine Gray is the host of the drop down. Right. Uh, and Maria Shibskaya from uh, Morgan Stanley's, my right. co table host. You have an awesome section every we year do. with your group. It's, We're it's a great, great group. So We're excited. Fun and table to be at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, but whatever you do, uh, wherever you're sitting, just go on and get a ticket at. Uh, and eveningwithwomen.org. It's a great event. You won't want to miss it. And uh, it's got a spectacular energy, too. Mm-hmm. I will say, um, you know, I've been for, I think, four years. I got to see uh, uh, Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne. Right. Uh, I know we, we have a collective group. Uh, Gwen Stefani was right. one year. Macy Gray. Uh, Linda Perry's group, uh, Four Non Blondes. Four Non Blondes came back. Every year it yeah. has been amazing. I know. Yeah, and but and it's very intimate. Yeah, because the Palladium is a small venue, and it's very intimate, and yep. they really sing to us. And yeah, it's it's an amazing energy. It's an amazing night. It's yeah. a great night for women and men that support us. So let's talk about what some of the money go to because we said mm-hmm. women's services. What yeah. kind of women's services do they have at the center? There is a health program. There's a mental health program. There's a domestic abuse program, mm-hmm. uh, legal services. Mm-hmm. Um, the center right now is in the middle of a huge capital campaign. We're building um, a, a facility across the street from the village which will be housing for homeless youth and seniors. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so a lot of that. There's LifeWorks. Because uh, a lot of uh, gay seniors, they don't have anywhere to go, right? right? Because uh, they're not really welcome in the uh, straight senior community retirement Right, they have to go back into the closet, a lot of them, to get into those facilities. Yeah, and that's no good, because if you're not being authentic, you're not going to have a happy life. So we want them to have a happy life in their last later years, you know? And uh, the camaraderie of it. And yeah, you guys absolutely. put on events and dinners and right. it's that, a beautiful that youth thing. That senior mix is going to, we think it's going to yeah. be fantastic, very positive. And then with the um, women's services, uh, I believe they offer medical and mental mm-hmm. services, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which will become more vital now that uh, Planned Parenthood 
has gotten defunded. So we're going to see a surge of women's the need for women's services at the center, health oh, services. Right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All of that. So and you've been doing this for 10 years, right? Or no, yeah, longer. Yeah, a lot longer. longer. Yeah, I was yeah. on the board for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And um, the, an evening with women used to be women's night. So it's been going on for, I think, 18 years now. But in the last 10 years, Linda Perry came on board and changed the vibe and yeah. made it what it is she today. She was amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to miss her. Yeah. But it continues to be incredible this year. I mean. Yeah. Uh, we're it, excited. We're very excited about it. Yeah. It's so fun. it's almost sold out. So if people yeah. do want tickets, they do need to get on Correct. today. And yep. Grab a ticket, and uh, it's a $300 donation uh, for some of the uh, tables and 500 for ones that are down on the floor close up to the stage. Yeah. So it's nominal when you consider everything you're getting for yeah. that uh, ticket price and that it's going to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Right. I say it's like the best of all the worlds, yeah. you know. Yeah. And you meet other package. cool people. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's a lot of uh, great women. Yeah. You, you, every year we have uh, women that meet and um, they fall in love. Yeah. We have people that haven't yeah, seen each other. Yeah, I met my partner free. there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So we have people you that haven't seen each other, other for you? years. No. Yeah. No, we, okay. didn't. we met on the board, though. Yeah, on the center board. Annie's my wife is a board member on the center still. So. Oh, and that's where you met. Yeah, that's oh, where we met. That's great. Yeah. So, um, but it's no, just a it great really, event. It's it, a great you event. know, people are always saying, "Oh, I want to meet people," uh -huh. and one of the best ways is to volunteer. You yeah. know, I have to say, I've been on your committee for three years, and I've met the most wonderful people, yes. including yourself. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that I volunteer and do that because. Um, it's a wonderful way to meet like-minded women. Right, exactly. Yeah. It really is. We've got amazing women on our committee and center staff. And, yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of women that are working hard to make this event what it is. And it's fun, you know, working with them and becoming friends with them outside of it as well. So, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so what do you think uh, the future looks like um, for women in this situation of uh who's in charge right now in our country you know mm -hmm. where do you see this going do you, I mean I personally think uh, it's a wake-up call and I feel like there's a rise up and and people are kind of not becoming complacent so I'm seeing something good come out of it yeah um, even though you know it's sad that the funding is getting cut and things like that but we just have to step up and make sure we don't miss a beat and and right. support the center and support each other and yes you know uh, definitely um, get some fire going about women's empowerment, right? Definitely. Which is what this, you know, I feel like this uh, this event is about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Making women aware of what's going on and resisting, persisting, you know, we have to get out there. We have to get men to support things Absolutely. and yeah, yeah. vote, vote people that are going to you know, make a change. Right. There's a lot that we can do now. So Right. Yeah. And, you know, because about 40% of the people sat on the sidelines from voting last mm -hmm. year, which is just painful. Yeah. Um, They're all regretting it now. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right. And I, think I do are. think they will step up to the plate this mm -hmm. time. I Don't you? Yeah. I, I mean, we hope so. We hope the yeah. word, the message is out there. I mean, if they don't step up, then they must be happy with what's happening. Right. So if you're not happy with what's happening, you better step up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You, we can change the course. Right. Well, I hope people come out to uh, an evening with women. I know we'll be there. That's right. And we are so looking sheet. forward to it. And fun. thank you for all the work you put in it, you and Annie and the rest of the group. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. A, thank you. Because you guys are 
six tables, and it's great to have you and your yeah, energy Yeah, it's good there. to have Maria Shepskaya as a team yeah, partner. Maria she's, Maria is uh, one of our other rock fire, stars. Baby. So, yeah, thank you, Maria. <laughs> so Saturday, the 13th, Hollywood Palladium and eveningwithwomen.org. We hope to see you there. And we are going to be right back with Jennifer Howd. Stay tuned. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360karma women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. Radio show is produced by three. Welcome back. Welcome back to Live Love Thrive Women's Empowerment Hour. And this part of the show, we have author Jennifer Howd. She's amazing. We're going to talk about her week long meditation, silent meditation. Let me add that silent. That's the key word here. Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. Hi. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. You bet. Well, um, okay. So you wrote this book called um, Sit, Walk, Don't Talk, right? How I Survived a Silent Meditation Retreat. Right. Yes. And uh, it comes out uh, May 30th, May 30th. right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's coming out. Yep. Um, and But people can already pre-order it on Amazon, right? Yeah. They can pre-order it right. on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, basically anywhere where you can pre-order right. things. And, and, and so let's talk about this book because um, uh, actually, you know what I want to do is talk about what led up to you writing this book and even going on that silent meditation because yeah. like what in the world possibly drove you to that <laughs> we got to get to that don't we um you know so you had shared with me that um life as a child was like uh you it was kind of rural right yeah yeah grew up in rural new hampshire wow in the woods i bet it was pretty it was beautiful. Yeah. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful. Right. But not a lot of, there was an awful lot of space between homes. You right. Know? So, so it was very isolating. Yeah. Especially really... as a child, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you kind of uh, had a good imagination and as most kids that are, you know, a single child and not a lot of playmates and stuff. Yeah. yeah I spent yeah. a lot of alone time in yeah. the woods with my imagination. And yeah. Just kind of creating worlds and stories and all of that. And then you mentioned uh, that your parents weren't like super attentive. So you really were kind of on your own. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Me yeah. and we had a lot of animals. So those were kind of my playmates. Animals too. are so great, aren't they? Oh, my God. They're such yeah. a godsend. I love oh. our dog, Angie. She's I was so admiring beautiful. your little froggy pants. Oh, there. yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Animals are great. 
uh, you know, they don't argue with you. They don't <laughs> no. they have anything bad to say. They're just they're just always full of love and joy and exactly yeah. exactly yeah they were really my best friends growing up honestly wow yeah. so uh, obviously you're an animal lover today I am. Yeah. yes yeah yes i have two kitties now. yeah so um in, in what way were they not attentive were they just busy doing their thing or my parents um you know i think that yeah they were they were busy doing their things um and they just uh, I don't think that they really had the, um, you know, the knowledge that we do these days of like w- how important it is to spend time with your kids. Right. And, you were know, they young? Um, they yeah, to? yeah. I'm not really sure how old they were, but you yeah. know, they were doing their thing, and yeah. their parents were doing their thing, and you know, yeah. everyone's taught from their parents. And right. It does go down generationally. Yeah. yeah. And I think their their parents were also kind of emotionally distant, too. So it just right. it just was where they were at. It definitely does seem like older generations were less likely to talk about feelings yeah. or engage or communicate. Right. It's, yeah. it's become something really of our generation. They right? didn't have the skill set. Like yeah. I said, you know, they weren't taught how to how to do it. And, and right. silence is golden and, you know, all these things. Yeah. Plus, it was New England and New England. New Englanders tend to be more reserved and yeah. kind of. Yeah. So it was that. So tell me about the journey from there to meditation. So you'd mentioned that you know, you went through your mom passing away, yeah. and which uh, let's just talk about that for one second sure. because uh, I do know before my mom passed away, I used to like be really um, sad for other people when they said their parent had passed away. But once I experienced it, it was a whole different feeling when somebody shares that with me. Oh, yeah. Now I have such empathy because I know exactly how they feel. Yeah. And we can't know how someone else feels unless we've actually been through something ourselves that they're experiencing, right? Exactly. Um, and so I understand what you mean, like that that, you know, really was a tough time in your life. I know it was for me. Yeah. Um, and for most most people and most women, I think. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, 9-11 happened, right? Yes. Yeah. Which, oddly enough, was around the same time for me. Like, 9-11 happened, and then my mom passed away. And mm-hmm. I was in New York, same as you. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely impacted us being in New York. Yeah. Uh, 9-11, to this day, when I recall that day, I get choked up. Yeah. Yeah, me too. You know, if it, you know to see it on television is one thing. Um, as most people know, if they've experienced any type of catastrophe you know you feel for the people but when you're actually there experiencing it it is just uh beyond beyond words really yeah it's right it's a whole other thing i was actually out of the country when it happened i got stuck out of the country um but i came back on one of the first flights that Mm. came back in yeah and we flew over the site um, and we saw the smoke and we landed at JFK and there was nobody there. It was right. back when, like, we didn't know if all right. of the planes were going to be exploding. Right. It was it was it was intense. Right. Well, I was living uh, in the city, uh, luckily not near the buildings. And um, when that happened, uh, you know, everybody was in the streets. There was no transportation. So everybody was walking. The cell phones weren't working. I just moved there. There was no I had no. No TV, no internet. I just moved there. Oh my god! I moved into a new building. It had no internet, no TV (sighs) yet, and uh, and so I didn't know anybody. It was like 
talk about isolating. Yeah. You know, it was probably like a silent meditation because I had no one to talk to. And honestly, no wonder I was so depressed. But um, uh, it was it took a toll and you didn't know what was going to happen next. Exactly. I think that's what people don't even understand. Like it's not even just the what happened. It's the aftermath of um, you couldn't leave the city. You didn't. I went to work the next day because I didn't know what to do. And they're like, oh, no, you have to go home. There's a bomb threat. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, you know, it it felt like you were living in a third world country. You know, it was like, you know, it just didn't seem like America at that time. And then, of course, no one was coming to New York City at that time. They just totally everybody avoided it. You know, so it was a it was a tough time. It was a very tough time. So I can imagine after experiencing that and losing your mom, you mentioned that then you kind of, you know, were drinking and you know took you down a kind of depressing path yeah I was I you know had always been dealing with um depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. and these two events heightened all of that sure for sure um so I was on antidepressant depressant just like we're talking about with Kelly yep on Mm -hmm. anti-anxiety medications and self-medicating with a little bit of wine yeah you know um, and all this stuff seems harmless, but like we, her and I were talking about, it, it does affect your organs. So you oh, can't yeah. sustain that for the long term. No, yeah. no, no, you can't. You yeah. can't. And, and I just got to um, a point where in New York City where I just realized I can't be here anymore. Right. I have to leave. <laughs> and then you mentioned, too, being in like an abusive relationship, which was, I don't know if that was in New York or here. It or, was. It was yeah. in New York. And we moved to L.A. together. Mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what do you think led you to be in an abusive relationship? Was that having to do with your isolating background, and was there some I don't, you something know, in your family that made you perpetuate towards someone like what, that? What's what's in, I mean, it's a, a complicated thing, but one of the things that was uh, that seems really naive, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what anger looked like. Mm-hmm. Because again, my parents were really reserved, right? Just, and they didn't show their anger. Right. They kind of stuffed it. Line. They yeah. stuffed it inside. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what anger looked like. And so when my partner would, you know, go on these rages, I was just like, "Oh, that's anger." Yeah. You know. Right. Oh, okay, that's anger. Right. I'm not really like that, but that's okay. You right. know. Um, and then when it crossed physical boundaries at times, right. um, I don't know. I don't know what what right. made me stay. <laughs> so that wasn't in your family background. It's just something that you no. know how to deal with. And yeah, when just, it came your way, you're like, what and is I, this? And I loved yeah. her. Yeah. You know, I was in love. It's a comp, you know, abusive relationships and toxic relationships can be really oh, yeah. complicated, right? Yeah. It's not all bad or all good. And right. It's a mixture of things. I so. think that's the thing that keeps people in it is they keep focusing on the little bit of good and not on the bad. And yeah. yeah. Well, the depth of the, of the, the bad is also the opposite in good too like right. the capability of both so right. when it's good it's really really good yeah yeah and that really is uh probably addictive <laughs> right right i think a lot of people you know? relate to what you're saying yeah yeah it, it's so nice when you get to the point that you recognize you only want to be with somebody who's healthy for you which you yeah. have now yes which is awesome yes yeah yes and so when you uh, journeyed from new york to la like myself um which is cool we knew each other I know. in new york i know yeah. you were the one one of the first people i reached out to when i moved here oh i yeah. love that yeah well, I'm so happy that we reconnected. I know, and that me we're too. both in LA. I yeah. know. <laughs> uh, um, so, what perpetuated you to go on this one week silent meditation? Because 
I think that takes a lot of chutzpah to do yeah. that because I, I know I couldn't do it. Let's just let's just say that right now. Yeah, yeah. It, I wouldn't it, want to go on a hour silent meditation. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like to meditate. Let okay. me say that. That's Whoops. good. That's a start. That's yeah, a start. I and that's like really meditate. that's where I started too. Yeah. I started meditating to. I find it very grounding. Yeah. yeah. To to. Um, to gain clarity about how I ended up in a relationship that was as toxic as it was. So that week gave you time to like process all that. Uh, well, the meditation, yeah, the meditation yeah. really kind of helped me to just get clarity about mm -hmm. who I was and what I wanted and all of, you know, stripping away kind of societies and other people's ideas and expectations of myself and just getting clear about who I was because I hadn't spent any time on my own. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I was a serial monogamous from one mm -hmm. relationship into another. Mm -hmm. And when that relationship that we were talking about fell apart, I was left with, I don't know who I am. Right. And because I had dipped my toe into meditation when my mom had passed away and when she was sick, mm -hmm. I realized, hey, I think meditation is the thing that's going to help me figure out who I am. Wow. You and just felt that inside yourself. Yeah, yeah. I felt it. It was a calling. And mm -hmm. so I poked around some of the societies in L.A. I dedicated myself to a practice. I couldn't sit for three minutes when mm -hmm. I first started. That mm -hmm. was forever for me. I think 99% of our audience will relate to that. Yeah, yeah. probably. Because yeah. um, I've had friends say, I, I just can't meditate. I can't right. sit there. Yeah. But the more you practice it, like anything, yeah. okay, doesn't matter if it's meditation or tennis, you yeah. know, the more you practice, the better you get at it. Yeah. yeah, and also I was reading a lot of books, and in one particular, When Things Fall Apart by Pima Chodron, and she was talking about basically um, the relationship with our kind of inner critic and how you know we tend to beat ourselves up like most people can't or, or say they they're not able to get meditation practices off the ground because they're beating themselves up over not being able to sit right they're mm -hmm. like you know telling them that they're not good enough and what's wrong with me that I can't do this mm -hmm. but um, this book really helped me realize oh wow I have that voice in my head that mm -hmm. is like telling me how hard you know like mm -hmm what a failure I am that I can't sit for three minutes. Or and I'll think of all the things I have to do. Yeah, and and how do I let that oh, go? Oh, let me stop meditating and write that down. Right. <laughs> right, but the inner yeah. critic journey of yeah. kind of like recognizing that it was there and, and, and loosening up on myself allowed mm -hmm. me to start sitting longer mm. and like being able to be more self-compassionate with myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then I ended up going on a five-day retreat, which is the, the retreat prior to this book's um, mm -hmm. And that was an amazing experience. Um, and then I got involved with UCLA's Mindful Awareness Research Center, a year-long um, in-depth practice program that they had. And I didn't even know they had that at UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's you amazing. You opened my eyes to that. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, Mindful Awareness Research Center. Check them out online. They have incredible classes there. Um, and in this year-long program, one of the prerequisites um, was to attend another retreat. So I ended up going on the retreat that I wrote the book about. The one-week retreat. And it, it started... was nine days, actually. Oh, nine days. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I can't know, even go there. To be technical. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Believe me, two more days than a week is a lot. It makes a difference. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you first started, like, writing about it in like emails and stuff, right? Yeah. And then you realized this is a book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had had... And I love the book, by the way. Oh, thank I've you. I read it and it, it was fascinating and I, I was like reading it thinking, oh my God, this is what I'd be doing, this is what I'd be saying, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I went on the retreat and, uh, spoiler alert, well, should I do a spoiler alert? I don't uh, know. 
Yeah, no, let him no. get the book. Okay, well, yeah. something something on the first day, uh, on the first morning waking up uh, yeah. happened to me that was really intense. And um, and so I was dealing with that the entire time. Right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so when I got home from the retreat, I was all my friends were like, how was it? What was it? You know, like they're so curious about what it was like. And I was like, oh, let me write an email to you all about what this is. Yeah. And 35 pages into the email. I yeah. was like, wait a minute. I don't think this is an email. I think this is something bigger. Yeah. And you're a great writer, by the way. Mm, I know you. you helped me uh, construct my book, uh, yeah. Live, Love, Thrive. Yeah. And um, your book, Sit, Walk, Don't Talk, uh, is a great read because you're a great writer. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you're such a great writer because of that isolated childhood where you had to be imaginative and everything. So, you know, I always look for, well, what good came out of something that seemed like it wasn't great? And yeah. I'm thinking, had you not had that kind of childhood, maybe you wouldn't be the fabulous writer you are today, you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, actually, yeah. as you're saying that, because the style, the the book, Sit, Walk, Don't Talk, is a memoir. Yeah. And um, you, you know, you hear, I, I, I share the different kind of voices in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. And so as you're saying this right now, I'm just putting together the fact that, yeah, I used to talk to myself a lot, like as a kid. And, yeah. And so, um, and I used to journal all the time. Really? As a kid? At, That's oh, unusual. Yeah. Yes, from yeah. a very young age. Um, it was kind of me talking to myself and like keeping myself company so mm -hmm. in many ways yeah, yeah I'm sure that that skill was developed in all of that and yeah. I used to write plays and you know all that kind of thing yeah, and you still well. do that too right yeah. you plays yeah. screenwriting yeah and you help other writers yeah I love that yeah you know because a lot of people have great ideas but they're not great writers yeah. and, and that's okay it's nice to hook up with someone like you that can help write that screenplay or that play or that book or whatever yeah. it is I know you enjoy supporting people in I that. do I really yeah. do, especially women. Yeah. So uh, I love your gifts, your writing gift, and also that you are a big advocate of having people learn meditation. Yes. And I know you do a weekly meditation and you coach people on it. Yes. And um, I think that's great because a lot of people don't know where to get started or how to get started. And so it's wonderful that you, you're doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see and connect with somebody who's doing their life calling because a lot of people mm. don't know what it is. Yeah. And so it's so nice you've tapped into both the writing and the meditation and this beautiful synergy between the two. Yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been quite a journey to get to this place yeah you know oh, yeah uh, it has only been pretty recently that I discovered that this meditation thing was really my life-changing yeah. yeah and your calling yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, what can we share from your journey on the uh, silent meditation uh, with people uh, you mean on, on in the book yeah I mean or just a, like a, a well, general synopsis of you know why someone might want to take it I know you had mentioned um, suffering with depression mm -hmm. and I can imagine that there's people that are listening that will be feeling that way and not even have thought about meditation kind of helping with that but I know it helped you oh yeah yeah um I mean, it, I, I feel like we don't have enough time to really get, in, get into, the, like, the depths of all of that. Right. Um, and specifically also anxiety, it really helped me with, too. But mm -hmm. it just, um, it just, th there's a relaxation response that happens, you know, physiologically in the body when we meditate. Mm -hmm. And we develop new relationships with our thoughts. Mm -hmm. We start not identifying with them anymore and a lot of my thoughts were judgmental and very um you know catastrophic and you know just negative mm -hmm. um and I 
didn't know how to separate myself from them. And so Mm -hmm. I thus became that way, Mm -hmm. you know. And once I started meditating, starting starting to be able to see my thoughts for what they were and realizing, oh, I don't have to believe in them. I don't have to get hooked in them. You're not your thoughts. I am not my thoughts. Right. I can redirect my attention to something that's actually more positive. Mm -hmm. I, I... call myself a recovering pessimist right <laughs> and it's because cute. of meditation yeah. yeah you know I, I it's absolutely because of meditation someone once told me and I thought it was really profound and it's so simple is that if you want to change the way you feel change the way you're thinking because you can't have a feeling without having a thought yeah and it's something I've never forgotten and anytime I'm not feeling well, I do that. I think, well, what am I thinking that's not making me feel great? Yeah. And, oh, I can change that. And I think that's what you're saying is mm-hmm. we rule our thoughts. We decide what they are. They don't decide what they are. Yeah. They don't, you know, they're not forced on us. Yeah. yeah. So we have a say-so in it. And I, I love that about, you know, our saying uh, in the 360 Karma community is you create your fate and that every day mm-hmm. – Every day your thoughts are a decision. Am I going to have positive thoughts or am I going to be a pessimist, as you're saying? And it is a choice. People might not think it's a choice, but if they are very conscious of what they're thinking, like let's say about the situation with the country, you know, you might be thinking this is really bumming me out every day. Or you can think what what am I going to think about it that would be positive? Like, what am I going to do that would be uh, an activist type of thing to move things in a better direction? Uh, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, how can I how can I move this in a positive direction and be, uh, you know, taking steps that are making a difference? Yeah. And the yeah. way to stop identifying with the thoughts, at least for me and many people, um, is meditating because it's it's like it, right. you're doing reps. It's like you're you're at the mental gym, mm-hmm. um, mindful gym, right? Yeah. Uh, every time you let go of a thought and you bring your attention back to a, a neutral point or even a point of positivity, mm-hmm. you're creating new neural pathways in your brain to make it easier to do it to do that as right. opposed to falling into the negativity. And you know, I've always said the joy is in the present. Uh, so. Typically, those thoughts are something about the past yep. or something about the future exactly. that we're dreading or something. Exactly. But that that moment, I think that's one thing that meditation does for me is it brings me into that present moment. Exactly. Where where you really do find the peace and joy. Meditation has been uh, a godsend to me because uh, I try to start every morning with that. Mm-hmm. And they say if you do five minutes of meditation, it affects the whole rest of your day. And I really do feel that. Yeah. You, you feel that peace and calm that you and groundedness that you take throughout the whole rest of the day. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I, I meditate first thing in the morning as well. It's like I, I, I can't function almost without it. Right. No, and, yeah. and when I don't, that's a very good point, I definitely feel like the day goes differently. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah. don't realize the magic of it. It really is magical. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, if they're missing it, they're really missing out if they yeah. don't at least try. Yeah. And um, I know you did a meditation in one of my workshops, and – it was interesting how you taught people to uh, recognize uh, what a thought was mm-hmm. and tell it, okay, like go away. You know, like well, I, I recognize you, yeah. and we yeah. don't want to we don't want to push it away. Oh, but we not, we recognize okay. it, and then we we um, acknowledge it in our mind, just like yeah. thinking, and then turn our attention away from it. Oh, turn away from it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So sit 
walk, don't talk. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to get a copy because it's definitely life-changing. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And it's a wonderful journey that you share, your personal journey. And uh, I think people will, it's a good takeaway. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So they can get it on jenniferhoud.com. Yeah, if they go to my website, there are links of where you can buy it. And they can pre-buy it at Amazon. Because exactly. it's getting ready to launch. Barnes Very & Noble. Exciting. It's even a Target, I heard. Yeah. Online. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. Oh, boy. That's cool. You made the big time. Thanks. <laughs> Target. I love Target. Target. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's so exciting that I know you first self-published and then you got picked up by a publisher. And Yep. Parallax Press. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. You uh, deserve all the best and uh, mm. just uh, keep making such a difference in the world with your beautiful gifts. Oh, thank you, Catherine. Yeah. You too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, we will be back next week uh, with more great women, so tune in and uh, just make it a great day. Meditate. Don't forget to meditate. It's uh, life-changing. All right, hugs and happiness. <laughs>